Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, and also one very old book. That is because on our live show, we have been asking <laughs> we've been asking people to leave us requests for books that they would like us to review in the iTunes comments on iTunes, of course. And if you'd like to do that, you absolutely should, too, yes, if you're listening to this. that's where they are. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we reviewed one on our live show, but this one we're going to move here. So at the end of the show, we're actually going to be reviewing the first volume of Alan Moore's The Saga of the Swamp Thing after we get to all the new books that came out this week. But again, if you want us to review something, if you want to request something, whether it is new or old or whatever it is, leave us a comment on iTunes. Let us know, and we will choose some and definitely review them here. Um, there you go. But let's jump into the new stuff, kicking it off with Venom. Number one from Marvel by Al Ewing and Ram V, written by Brian Hitch. So this is picking up off of Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's run. Art by Brian Hitch. Yeah. Oh, great. Yes. You said, uh, ri- you said written, written by Al Ewing and Ram V, art by yeah. Brian Hitch. Uh, and again, this is picking up off of Donny Cates' run and kicking it off with a new team, though it continues a lot of the plot points there and introduces a bunch of its own. Um, what did you think about this? Uh, Pete, you're a big fan, I think, of Donny Cates' run. How do you think this follows up on that? Uh, I think this is great. I think it, it has, like, some real oh shit moments. You know, I mean, we do have, like, Venom in space and that kind of stuff, so it's... Um, I I kind of like what where this is going, what's happening, uh, the continuation of the story, uh, focusing a lot on the the sun here, which is kind of like touching and hopeful, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I'm enjoying this. I think it's uh, I think it's cool. 
I mean, there was a lot going on when Donny Cates left the book with Venom being sort of the all-powerful um, uh, god of symbiotes, uh, has mm-hmm. a son, is like tr- transporting his uh, brain also all around different Also rocking chains now. Don't forget about the chains. Rocking chains. Yeah. Um, there's a cat who's a symbiote, um, and uh, there's just a lot going on. So this is sort of collecting all the information and putting it, pointing it in this new horror villain direction, which I think is a great um, Al Ewing touch here, um, I'm assuming. Definitely the style that uh, got the Immortal Hulk uh, book going. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. This is just, this is a great team. Brian Hitch is always good on pretty much everything. Al Ewing and Ram V have both been on a roll individually and together. So it's great to see them take this on. And it's just so surprising and interesting to see Marvel treating Venom as a top tier character in 2021. But that's exactly where he is. That's where we so are. That's where we are. That's society. That's reality. Yeah. That's like, where you got to deal with it. Deal with it. It's deal helps. with it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about two other proxy little comic book characters that are really making a name for themselves. Robin and Batman, number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Wynn. This is the team from Descender and Ascender coming together to tell a new story of Robin and Batman teaming up together for the first time. Again, great team. This is great. Yeah, uh, I really just wanted to say, like, the art is bananas, like on the last book, but it's fun to see kind of like a watercolor Batman, you know what I mean? Like a little bit of the Batcave uh, with a little artsy watercolor touch to it. It's enjoyable. Um, But also, this is kind of like their early kind of relationship of Batman and Robin, you know, some missteps here on both sides. This is great. You know, I'm enjoying this. Alfred's alive. I'm very happy about that. Uh, Yeah. And also this idea of like, and this is teased uh, at the end. So maybe I'm kind of reading into things. But what if like this thing of like, if Croc was also in the circus life, what does that mean for Croc and Robin? You know what I mean? Croc and Robin. Go Croc Croc and and Robin. Robin. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I like this book a lot. The art is fantastic. It's great. Um, the The inner monologue we get of Robin here is really fun. And the idea of him designing the Robin uniform is sort of like a, like, in-your-face yeah. dad. I don't, I don't dress like you. Yeah, I wear, like, underpants on the outside. It is very funny. That's great. And I'd also recommend if you read this book and like it, there's a great book that Dustin Wynn did called Little Gotham. He did two volumes of it, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Which is also super fun. Um, Definitely very different here than what he's doing, but uh, still really good art. And it's got that watercolor bat cave you like so much, Pete. Moving on to another one, Nick's. Number one from Dynamite, written by Christos Gage, art by Mark Borstel. So this is spitting out of the Vampirella books, I believe. So yeah, you know what's going on there. But I will say, despite being a classic Dynamite titty book, Christos Gage <laughs> knows. <laughs> and that's what it is. Let's put be that, honest. Uh, put Let's that on the honest. cover. I'm Alex, sorry. Alex, you're, you're angling for a jacket <laughs> quote right there. Yeah, you are. 
<laughs> I'm definitely angling for a Jack and quote is what oh, I'm angling for. Uh, but Christos Gage is, is such a good writer that he knows how to take this stuff and really elevate it, both in terms of the story and the pathos of this character who has some demon in her could turn into flame, needs to suck souls, but hasn't really ever connected with a human being. And we see her connect with a human for the first time. So I went in with some trepidation, but as usual, Christos Gage won me over by the end of the book. I agree with you. I thought the story of this book was great. I mean, the art is, it's like a lot of like, whoops, my clothes all fell off. Uh, <laughs> but um, they are, it's good art. Uh, that's just what's happening in it. But the story itself is really cool. Like this character really does like fall in love and in a way that, it, that I really believed. So it was, it was a good read. Pete? I, you know, I mean, this isn't my cup of tea. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. So good. good. What do you mean by tea? What, capital T? <laughs> yeah, spill What's the tea, that? Pete. Spill the tea. Let's move on to something I'm sure you did like then. The Thing, number one from Marvel, written by Walter Mosley, art by Tom Riley. This is a classic adventure of The Thing as he messes a bunch of things up, uh, tangles with a bunch of dudes. Pete, what'd you think? Well, uh, absolutely fantastic art style, uh, really creepy villains. So like great kind of high stakes start, uh, heartbreaking shit though with, uh, uh, thing and, uh, you know, his love interest. So that I did not like, like, like that at all. Great to see Hercules, uh, been a minute. So yeah, I thought this was fantastic. Uh, it's a surprisingly dark thing story, um, especially with this, the art style. I thought this was going to be more of like a fun thing, like uh, clobber in time style adventure. And this is sort of like a dark night of the soul story for the thing. And he's maybe being corrupted uh, here, which is definitely not what I expected. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on. It's, like you said, Justin, a much more complex story than I expected, but really well done. And to Pete's point, the art is great. Moving on to another one, Undiscovered Country, number 17, from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder and Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Camincoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. In this issue, they are continuing to try to find the perfect song in order to escape the current area of America that they're trapped in. And unfortunately, the Crossroads Devil is after them, which sounds like a bunch of crazy nonsense that I just said, but it all makes sense in the context of the book. Uh, what'd you guys think about this issue? Yeah, I really think this is this comic right now is just cooking. Like it, the the story is really moving. Like everything is kind of like happening and coming to a head. It's it's very cool and interesting, and the twists are coming at at like a clip now that i can really kind of like appreciate and enjoy art's unbelievable i'm i'm having a great time there's a ton of creativity uh kind of got like a cool oh shit last page kind of thing a lot of amazing back matter in here too yeah i'm really enjoying this yeah, this, I feel like we talked a lot about this book. It's like so many ideas. It's so wild. It's all happening yeah. here. And that's definitely still what's happening. But it's set, this arc especially has really settled into like the characters are really established. We know what they're talking about when they're talking about stuff. And there's there are clear emotional arcs. So when they get into the wild ideas of like sticking your hand into a machine and having to write a song to save this world and 
all these things, uh, the Crossroads Devil being the villain. Um, it's all all these like ships from all different fictions in yeah. America showing up. Like all those ideas get to pop a little bit more rather than being this sort of like stew of things where you can't pick out the individual flavors. Yeah. Good stuff. Ooh, Next up, Wonder Woman number 781 from DC Comics, written by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cluden and Vida Ayala, art by Marcio Takara and Skylar Partridge. Um, Wonder Woman's back on Earth. She's alive. She is visiting Etta Candy. I'm a little trepidatious about visiting Steve Trevor, which is kind of yeah. interesting, but we work around She's that busy. issue. What? She's busy. Come well, on. They, you know, they have a lot going on. Rather, you know, yeah, come on, man. Visit. You'd like to visit when you can be there. You know what I mean? When mm -hmm. you can like emotionally and physically be there. She's got a lot going on. She's trying to figure out stuff. Things aren't making sense. There's no time for that right now. She's got to take care of business. Nothing wrong with that. Pete, you sound like the kind of guy that doesn't mind going on a date night and seeing a different movie than your date. And I appreciate that about you. Because uh, that's what you're proposing. Hey, for don't, as yeah. Zalbin always points out, don't cross this podcast, man. I'm not. This that's is the first time I've ever said that. It's the first yeah, time I've ever said new. that. This is new. This is new information. It's a new to take. Well. It's a new take on this comic book. Um, this Wonder Woman run I really like. Um, it's getting into new areas. The sort of villains here uh, feel like, I don't know. There's a, a, a lot of stuff is laid out on the table here. And I like sort of the, the super villain that's coming through here. Um, and I want them to get together, her and Steve. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Just to catch up. Yeah, just, yeah, just catch up. It's nice to see all friends. Uh, yeah, I love the art. Glad she is like, we're finally getting back to kind of like where she was before she kind of went on this whole adventure with Thor and all that. Uh, Dr. Psycho is up to no good. She's on it. So I'm feeling good about where this is going. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the art's unbelievable. This is a great Wonder Woman book. Becky's By the way, have it. you, uh, you told me you were going to go said to get an appointment at Dr. Psycho, right? Like, did that work out, <laughs> Pete? No. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. Okay, well, I'll no, get you get a in. referral. I'll yeah. get you a referral. Yeah, that's your you primary could. care physician. I bet you could. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. He's not on my plan. It seems like he is. Yeah, though. yeah. Gotta I go to see Doctor Sociopath mostly <laughs> for all of my needs. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader in Batman, the audio adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max, starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums. This rollicking adventure told across 10 episodes is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNichols, including devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Liguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villanueva, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com backslash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman, the audio adventures only on HBO Max. Yeah. Regarding the matter of Oswald's body, number there one is, is the name of the comic. 
not the thing that I'm asking you about. From Boob Studios, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Luca Casalaguida. Justin, I know you're a big fan of this one, so why don't you talk about this book? Yeah, Justin. Uh, yeah, me. I will. Uh, this... <laughs> This book does a – it's a sort of getting the team together first issue, um, sure, which is sure, always, sure. Uh, you We've know, sort of a there. thing. It's sort of a thing that happens. Yep, yep. But what this book does a great job of uh, in the, in its first issue is really as bringing interesting characters um, to the story and then bringing them together to do something uh, ridiculous um, and <laughs> sort of uh, fun. So I, I thought this was a great first issue, really interesting um, dives into these people. Uh, definitely going to pick up the second. Yeah, the it's one of those things where like we've seen this so much, the kind of rounding. You know, it's like all right, I'm going to need a team for this mission. I'm going to need this guy. I'm going to be you know, and it's like okay, so you're rounding up someone who's really good at drinking, and then like I'm not so like what team is this for? So it's it's very um, you know, as someone has seen the kind of round up, okay, we got a mission thing. It was very interesting. The choices that were being made, it's unique, even though it's something we've seen before. Love the art. It's creative. I think they do a good job getting you excited for something. Well, and I think the thing that we haven't mentioned here is that it's all during the last yes. couple of days before John F. Kennedy is assassinated and it all ties somehow into Lee Harvey Oswald. So yes, he's the Oswald in the title, right? So right. there's a whole conspiracy element. There's some front matter and back matter that tease a lot of conspiracies around the death of JFK. We haven't gotten to how this ties in or why this ties in yet, but just in terms of that, it's, Seems to be a little bit more of, I would say, almost an action-oriented companion to Department of Truth, uh, another uh -huh. book that deals with conspiracies here. We're not quite there yet, but it's Hold very, on, very uh, fun. Justin's moving a filing cabinet. No oh, Interesting take. Interesting yeah. take, Alex. Thank you. Way to make much. the connect. Way to yeah. make the connect. Let's move on and talk about Stillwater number 11 from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon K. Perez. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's live show where we had Chip on, and he talked about a bunch of stuff, including, I believe, very briefly, Stillwater. But yeah. in this issue, they're dealing with the fallout of what happened with the change of government in this town where nobody ever dies. Turns out, old government, new government, very similar to the old government in some pretty Classic. bad ways, and things get even worse by the end of the issue. Um, what do you think, Justin? <laughs> I was trying to decide who um, I would go to. I feel yeah. like we went to Pete last time, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I, you're putting a team together, uh, yeah. is what you did. And you went with me first, and I bet your next move is you're going to assemble Pete into this team. No, I have an explosives expert born. right off the mic. So oh. I'm going to go to them next. Oh, wow. <laughs> I look forward to that person's take on this comic book. Um, I like this book as well. I've, I feel like... The, the last arc took us in a, a sort of a surprising direction with who is running shit in Stillwater. And so this is picking up the pieces to that. And um, then we're back into like, well, we got to kill this person because they did something we didn't like. Um, so this, uh, it's still true to form. Um, I'm curious what the overall, excuse me, goal is with this book, um, because it definitely feels like it's a lot of just people fighting about being immortal. 
pick up the pieces. Well, that said, just to interrupt before you get to what you're going to say, Pete, uh, Chip did say issue 12 is the one where big shit goes down. So if anything, this might be the, even though a lot of stuff happens in this issue, this might be the pause and setup potentially for that. Pete, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, This it, what's Im- impressive uh, about this comic, and uh, if I might quote Justin, who was talking about earlier, is uh, this story keeps unfolding. You you think like, oh, okay, here we go. We've got a bunch of people who can't die living in a town. What happens to them? What, how does this all go? But it keeps getting like, okay, uh, uh, bigger and bigger. So it's, it's interesting that every time, and, you know, tip of the hat to the writer here, uh, that every time we think like we're we're kind of like getting under there's new things that's still developing, so uh, yeah, I this continues to be one of these books that is very enjoyable, but also stays fresh with the choices it's making. And Keep unfolding great. like a towel that you really put away, you know, <laughs> for the summer. Yeah. Next up, you probably know them from their big screen adventures, but did you know they also had a comic book? Eternals number seven from Marvel, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Asad Ribic. In this issue, we're kicking off a new arc where, spoiler, Thanos is trying to become, I don't remember what the exact title is, but basically president. Prime Eternal. Prime Eternal. There you go. Prime Eternal. Uh, And some bad things happen. I'll tell you what. Frankly, I've really enjoyed this book. It's a beautiful book. But having seen the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, Thena. I know her. That's Angelina Jolie. So weirdly helpful in that regard. Huh. I, they, I, they did a good job of, of saying in this comic, you look at all these characters you just saw in the movie. Because yes. they're sort of the main characters here. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if they were the main characters the last issue, because it's been a while, but definitely this issue. Well, what's... <laughs> For me, I was really enjoying this book. Then I saw the movie, and then I was like, I'm not into this anymore. Uh, so uh, the kind of hmm. the movie spoiled my enjoyment of this book a little bit, but the art's bananas. I mean, it's an unbelievable team. I'm sure I'll get back on board, but maybe I just need an issue to kind of uh, collect my thoughts. A little sour. You're a little yeah. sour from your movie-going yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah it was... Uh, it was a really long thing to be dragged through. A movie? You were dragged through it? What do you mean by yeah. that? that? Dragged through it? It was a long-ass movie that you were dragged through. A bunch of people it's who... a, a lot of the Marvel movies are of a similar length, I would say. Mm, I'd say this is a little longer than your average movie. Let me ask you, Pete. Did you have enough candy for the movie? Because I know that if you don't get enough candy, your opinion starts to really turn. No, no, I had it all set up like I normally do. What does that mean? What, could you walk us through that? Yeah, could you walk us through that for those of us that don't know your candy habits at the movie? Well, you got to have, first you got to have the popcorn and the Coke. You know what I mean? That's just the classic. Yeah, first. You know, yeah, sure. yeah, that's your staple. Then I need something that's a little chocolatey, and then I need something that's a little bit more like Twizzlers. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, something a little, just like kind of like more like Twizzlers, just a specific brand. Yeah, yeah. A Twizzler adjacent. Yeah, interesting. You buy all this stuff at the top, and then you just slowly work your way through it. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have an order that you hit it in, or do you go in around? Yeah, I, I mix it up. You know what I mean. You gotta, you know, you know, just kind of just keep it fresh. You know. Back do you and do forth the different... throwing? I assume you got M and M's or something like that. Did you? Do you throw the M and M's in the popcorn? Some people do that. 
Uh, no, no, I wouldn't disgusting. do that. I mean, it's all going to the same place, so sure, why not? What does that mean? <laughs> it's you all going to my stomach. Uh, oh, my stomach, wow. you fucking asshole. Okay. What, what the fuck do you know. mean? I thought you were talking so about go to the same it place. out. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm glad we talked about this. That's Six, also yeah. true, though. That's yeah. also true. I like this Eternals book a lot. Um, it was nice seeing the characters in the comics being able to straddle that line between the MCU and the ongoing comic stories that are Thanos is much more of a, a character here in the comics, uh, even though he is sort of a resurrected, not real version of him potentially here. Uh, but um, I like this world and Kieran Gillen's doing a great job of sort of blowing it out. Agreed. Six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number six from Image Comics, wow. written by Kyle Starks, art by Chris Schweizer. Oh, no. What? That's 666. Oh, oh shit. It's not yeah. that one. There's only two sixes. I just said a lot. Wait, no, it's six. Sidekicks. Sidekicks. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, there you go. We're okay. Your, We're your okay. Accent Don't worry about is it. What it is. Uh... Accent. If I said 666, though, uh, that would have been nice because you could have joined those Twizzlers you love so much in hell. Hell. In hell. All going to the same place, Snacks. Hell. Your hell. Your hell is my stomach, Snacks. And I'm sitting <laughs> there right now. So this is the final issue of what is hopefully just the first arc of this great, great, very funny book about a bunch of of sidekicks who team to up together to find out who murdered this Chuck Norris jerk type that they all worked for at different times. Uh, we do get a tie up to the mystery here. It's very fun. The action is great as usual. The solution at the end, what happens right at the end of the issue is a lovely, hilarious twist as well. And it does set it up for more adventures in a very clear and obvious way. I thought the series was great, and if you haven't picked it up to the individual issues, then you definitely should. There will be a collected volume coming down the road, so definitely pick that up. It's a great book. This is the funniest book I've read in a long time. Actual great jokes, uh, great characters coming together for a big, fun, uh, goofy action ending to this comic. One of my faves uh, of the week. Yeah, I agree. This is hysterical. I love the orange croc wearing uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, badass you get. It's it's just, it's it's really funny, very creative, and it, it delivers really well. Next six, up, six, six. <laughs> more jokes from the funniest guy in DC Comics, the Joker, number nine, DC, <laughs> oh <laughs> written by God. James Tyne IV and Sam Johns, art by Stefan Raphael and Rosie Comp. In this issue, we are getting a bunch of different plans revealed, including oh, finally we get the Joker tying together a bunch of the plot lines that have been going on in the background. Yeah. Here in the most disturbing and upsetting way possible, of course. Yes. But this title continues to be so good and so well done. It's, it's crazy this new villain sort of out Joker's Joker by saying fucked up things. Mm -hmm. um, Joker's just sitting there watching like, whoa, this dude's... <laughs> Wow, this guy's yeah. saying a bunch of stuff um, about how he grows super villain bodies. Some of it's for um, secret off menu items at like high end restaurants. Yeah. We might have all dined uh, at a restaurant where they're serving humans. Come on, that can't be. I mean, Justin, you worked at some classy places. Any of that going on? In yeah, there's a, a couple of human dishes. Not a lot, but just oh, like. Oh, are you serious, a, man? A palate cleanser. Yeah, in between uh -huh. courses. Um, well, Pete and also, you think Rich those Philly cheese. Assholes. You think those Philly cheesesteaks are all non-human meat? Because you got yeah. another thing coming if you think oh, about man. it. 
Yeah. Wait, do you go to Phil's or Gino's? All of them. I go oh, to all, all of them. Well, you're definitely eating human meat then. Oh, yeah. I won't specify which one, but everybody knows who it is. Okay. So anyways, this comic, Joker number nine, uh, I, I just think this is really over the top in all the right ways. It's very cool the way we're kind of like tying in a bunch of things that have all happened. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great heightening of the character. And if we had to kind of spend extra time with this madman, this is kind of what I thought we would get. It's creative enough. It's creepy enough. It, it just, art's fantastic. I, I think this is fun. This book has sneakily been one of the best uh, Commissioner Gordon books in a yeah. really long time. Uh, it's great sort of uh, riding along with him and his opinion on this like truly horrifying journey. Next up, what's the furthest place from here? Number one from Image Comics by Tyler Boss and Matthew Rosenberg. We had Matthew Rosenberg on our live show just this past week. So go and listen to that where he talks about this book in depth. But this is about a bunch of kids who are living in a post-apocalypse, no adults to be found, bunch of weird stuff going down in the neighborhood. They get in some gang fights and then things from change from here. As with their previous book, this is an incredible collaboration between writer and artist here to make a book that looks and feels unlike anything else that is on the stands. Wow. Uh, I, it's hard to say anything after that. It was uh, such a fantastic review. Uh, yeah, it's Boss Beautiful. Bur- Beautiful words. It's Boss and Bur- Another great jacket quote for Alex right after his uh, one for the Dynamite book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Boss and Bergie working together like they are just an unbelievable team. Uh, this duo just, uh, you know, cranks out fantastic books, and this looks like it's going to be the start of another amazing uh, 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 comics piece that will hold the test of time. Yeah. Pete, this book cranks out. <laughs> On the Got jacket. You. It cranks it. On the jacket. Uh I also, I really like this book. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. Um, I compared it to sort of a deadly class in a good way with some Don't of the, just repeat the yourself. tension and horror. Some new stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, great. Tension and horror of uh, Black Hole, um, the Charles Burns book. Um, a lot of music influence here. Great Hall and Oates shout out, Pete. Come oh, on, come on, yeah. Private Eyes, they're watching you. Yeah. Good uh, stuff. See, you get it. You're a big uh, Hall and Oates guy. I love a record. You know who else is watching you is the Xenomorph, an alien number eight from Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Salvador LaRocca. This issue is the second arc of this book. It is following a religious colony out in space who, oops, uh, the alien crashes into their religious colony. And then guess what happens? The alien kills a bunch of people. But there's a twist right out of pretty much any alien movie that comes towards the end here, but it's still very well done. This book real good. I know we've said it about every issue, but I really like this arc and I really like Johnson digging into the religious aspects in particular. I think he does a good job there and it really elevates the story overall. I mean, the art is just phenomenal in this book. There's just really amazing panels. It does this thing where it's like, 
the art and the story almost makes it feel like it's not an alien book, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, it's fucking. As an alien shows up, yeah, yeah, and then the alien shows up, and you're like, no fucker, you thought this you were in this alien. artistic indie book that's really examining religion, it like, uh, and then like the grossest alien like attack you've ever seen, like the face rip on that was just bananas. Um, and I agree with you, Pete. And you read the rest of the book and you're like, what is this woke bullshit that they're going on about? <laughs> what? The alien movies back in the day were say never that. about that. They were just about cool alien kills <laughs> with no metaphors whatsoever, you know, man? <laughs> so, like, don't bring me that shit. I'm not paying for it. Right, Pete? You're with me, right, Pete? Pete? What it's funny. It's funny you're going after it, Alex, because the way he said it, it was like he preferred the religious <laughs> indie book. No, I know. <laughs> I'm curious, Pete. What no, religious, what think... religion-based indie books are you currently consuming? <laughs> so many. Uh, it's the animated Bible. No, I just think it was. You read like... those Jack Chick tracks, right? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, I just think it was like. It does a great job of like kind of walking away from what we want a little bit and then bringing it back right at the perfect time. I think it's a creative, cool kind of way to go at this. Anyways, I, you know, we've seen so many alien books. I thought it was a cool start. So sorry. No, uh, no, I'm, no it's, I, I'm I not at agree. all getting on you. There are people out there who repeatedly are like, God, oh, the new alien stuff can't believe they're dealing with societal issues. They never did that in the original Alien movies. It's like, I think maybe you haven't seen the original Alien movies. Well, plus the more the recent ones have been like about a religious colony that encounters aliens. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, this is it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Uh, anyway, this book is absolutely great. Very Why don't good. we move on, talk about Sea of Stars. Number 11 yes. from Image Comics, written by Jason Aaron and Dennis Hallam, art by Stephen Green. I believe this is the last issue of this book, right? It certainly seems to be wrapped up here, potentially. Uh, we get the story of this kid and dad who have been separated. They're fighting vast forces out in space, but it finally comes to a close here in really poignant fashion that I enjoyed quite a bit. What about you guys? Yeah, I was just so happy that the father and son are finally reunited. I mean, that was so out. stressful. It was so stressful for so long. Um, but now they're finally together. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, the art alone is worth it for this book. It's just one of those, like, just beautiful panels, beautiful character drawings, and uh, it's just fun action. I, I was really impressed. And uh, this uh, is a great, cool story that's very creative and worth checking out. It's a, a fanciful father and son story, and you get sort of this, uh, you know, truck driver dad and this kid that is like this, you know, dreamer who ends up getting all this great power. Um, so it has that as sort of its core, and then it throws in like, look at this space monkey, and here's some space sea creatures and stuff. So it's definitely Don't I feel like the space we, whale, the space whale. Um, I, I feel like when we talk to um, the writers of this book, maybe Dennis Halem uh, on the show, he was saying that it's basically like they work separately. It's like mm -hmm. a jam book and then they just uh, smash it all together. So the fact that they were able to, to put it, to, to bring it all together at this end and have it be both wild and like God killing uh, while also getting to that heart was really cool. Superman versus Lobo, number two from DC Comics, written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty, art by Mirka Andalfo. In this issue, 
Krypton and Sharnia, I never know how to pronounce that, Lobo's home planet have been brought back as well as their entire population. Only, oops, thanks to a cosmic mix-up, Superman and Lobo have switched planets. So Lobo is living, living mm. on Krypton and Superman oh, oh, is living on Sharnia. Uh, and it turns out that maybe they appreciate the other planets a little more than they expected. Other wacky, wild things happen over the course of the book. I think we were all very surprised at how deftly the team pulled off multiple elements in the last issue and made them all come together. Do you think that held up in the second issue? Who are you talking to? Uh, yes, yeah, sort of similarly. Like, um, <laughs> Who am again, I talking I felt to? Like, oh, One of doing... the two of you. <laughs> okay, great. Well, be specific. Yeah. How many people do you see in this podcast? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Putting it out the, there for the fans, the, sort the of audience. Oh, you're talking to the fans, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. What do you decide? <laughs> wow. Should Justin answer uh, this question? <laughs> if so, flip to minute 42. What about Pete? Go back to minute 14. Uh, oh, you chose Pete. Do you die? Um, what I was going to say is at the premise being sort of like, you got peanut butter, my chocolate, you got chocolate, my peanut butter. And then um, they really dive into the sort of continuity ramifications of uh, Lobo and Superman being on each other's planets. And again, sort of go deep on it while still doing like a fun book. And I um, like Superman and like space Wolverine is another character. Oh, you fuck yourself. <laughs> you couldn't go the whole, I was really, Pete, you love Lobo book. though. What did you yep. think about this book? Okay. So here we go. This is going to be long winded. Uh, it's weird, no. but also fun. Uh, okay. I get, I get what you were doing there. Yes. I agree. I like this book. It continues to perform very ably and in a very fun manner. The art from Mika Adolfo is good. I think I liked her Superman a little better in this issue than I did in the first issue. It sort of threw Agreed. me a little bit. Um, so maybe she got more of a handle on it. But Lobo continues to be great and just fun character designs across the board. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting idea. Well executed. I, 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 I liked it more than I thought. Next up, Phenom X. Number one from Image Comics, written by John Leguizamo, Aram Rappaport, Joe Masiak, and Damian Slattery. Art by Chris Batista. This is about a new breed of superhero who are mostly from prisoners, and it clearly is supposed to be a starring vehicle for John Leguizamo. Possibly yeah. a screenplay turned into a comic book? I'm not sure. You decide. what could be. <laughs> I will say, though, because I was thinking that as well, but John Leguizamo is a little bit maybe too old to be this guy. He might be a little yeah. too old at this point in his career, right? I mean, he might um, be that ripped, though. You know what I mean? He might. I don't know. Yes, I, I, I don't know. I do. You have any pictures, Pete? <laughs> no, yeah. not on me. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, it was just. It's kind of weird to see his face on the uh, kind of like action dude a little bit. Um, and it, it threw me off a little, but then once I kind of got into the comic, it didn't, it didn't throw me as much. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of like, uh, you know, what if John Liguizamo had superpowers, which I mean, he's hilarious. I'll see that guy doing anything. So why not? 
what did you think of this one, Justin? Um, I think this book goes uh, sort of bends over backwards to be like, this is why this is happening. And I felt that for the first sort of like third, I was like, oh, this is a fun superhero story. Um, this character seems fun. And then there's just there's a lot of track laid to get us um, to the to him getting his powers. And um, I just didn't didn't need just follow. Just tell us a story that you do at the beginning before you do the flashback. I was ready to just go along with that. Yeah, it feels a little overstuffed here in the way that maybe it would work if this was a screenplay. But just looking at the pages, so many paddles, so many words on every single page. It uh, This is why I go to the screenplay thing. It just feels like they took it and kind of put it onto a page. Maybe it'll open up a little bit now that they have the origin stuff out of the way. So I would be curious to check out yeah. the second issue. Um, but that it is what it is. Next up, Action Comics number 1036 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Sean Lewis, art by Daniel Sempere, and Sam Basri. This is the kickoff of the War World saga that they've been teasing for a very long period of time. It's also spinning out of Superman and the Authority, giving us a little bit of a connection there in terms of everything that's been going on with all of the Superman books. This is very dark and also, in a different way, very much in Philip Kennedy Johnson's wheelhouse, I think, in terms of the storytelling. Um, Justin, you've been a big fan of his run on Action Comics and Superman. What did you think about this one? I love uh, PKJ, and this um, this is another great book. Like, uh, there's a, just a great scene where uh, this older uh, sort of wise alien is sitting there and uh, talking about how placid and understanding uh, he's doing great work. And then the um, the person meeting him says the wrong thing, and he totally flips. I thought it was just a great standalone comic book scene setting up this guy as some sort of like secretly uh, evil uh, a person uh, revealing that this alien race that has uh, been killed. Superman goes through a bunch of like horrible stuff here. Um, I like, I like the, uh, the team that's around him. It's, it's a fun, different, we don't have to have it be Batman. Um, and having to deal with all that uh, continuity can just be uh, the authority where we can do new stuff. So this is really good. I thought this was intense. Uh, love the uh, crazy kind of build up to Mongol, uh, uh, and that's that's a lot of uh, spiked people there. That's 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 some intense shit. And when we're saying spiked people, there's we're a not lot of points. Like they're full of uh, fireball shots or anything like that. We're talking about they're on spikes, man. Yeah, they're on spikes. Yeah. Great book. Next up, Man Eaters the Curse, number five from Image Comics, written by Chelsea Kane, art by Kate Nimzik. This is the final issue of this title, which has been one of our favorites for the past couple of months, as the kids at this camp who have been searching for the rest of their campers find out a fun little twist at the end there in terms of their situation. It is riddled with the usual amount of little interjections and other things going on artistically. But uh, what'd you think about how this tied up? There's a sticker that there that's drawn into this book. That's uh, it's, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. And it took me back. 
to oh, be yeah? to getting that sticker. Oh, 100%. I, like, this book does such a great job of, like, using a bunch of, like, nostalgia hits um, throughout and all the, the different, like, art pages that are interspersed in between uh, in the story. There's some great use of um, photography in this book, uh, which I thought was really cool. And the story's fun and weird and different. Like, this is a comic that pushes the form in a way that, uh, that I really liked and haven't seen in a while. A lot of mashup here. Yeah, I, I this continues to be very creative and very fun. Uh, great use of like a lot of different ideas, but together it all works. Yeah, I love the old scratch and sniff kind of sticker look. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like it's just such an interesting creative mashup of like different ideas, but also different ways to show things. Uh, yeah, I was... I. It was, it's been a great series, a ton of fun. And very funny, too. I don't want to underplay that because it's made me laugh out loud several times, including here in the last issue. This is one that probably will be collected as a volume, but I would recommend find the individual issues if you can, just because they're such good yeah. package is in and of themselves. Great series. Really good. Next up, Batman, The Imposter, number two from DC Comics, written by Matson Toblin, art by Andrea Sorrentino. This is a younger Batman who, as you can probably figure out from the title, has been... Uh, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on the word? Impostered? Um, superheroing. Is that what you're <laughs> no, no, no. Battering. It's not impostered. I wanted to say impostered, but that's not the word. Uh, it, copycatted? It, impersonated impersonated jesus christ go. yes there you go wow you were gonna, gonna say superheroing <laughs> no i was gonna say impersonated but i couldn't remember the hang on i got print something out he's in oh. <laughs> he's impostinated podcast impostinated oh, and it's a very different continuity as well that we're used to with batman there's a lot of different stuff going on yeah. here we like the first issue, or at least I definitely remember liking the first issue, mostly because Andrea Sorrentino's art is so good. Bananas good. Yeah, and it's worth it for the art alone. Pete, what do you think about this one? Okay. Uh, so this is like this kind of like different take on uh, uh, Batman. And, and the, you know, I mean, we get a little bit of like, Batman admitting he's in love here, which is kind of crazy and, and different. Uh, but then you worried about, like, maybe uh, Bruce doesn't have all the right intentions. And, you know, you kind of like in a rom-com worried, like, oh, it started for the wrong reasons, but th there's real love there. So I like this kind of rom-com Batman meetup, but also what if it was a little bit more realistic and Batman saw a therapist? What did you think of the fact? <laughs> wow. What did you think of the fact that Alfred is alive in here? You love Alfred, well, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to have Alfred alive always. And well, he's also an asshole who hates Batman. What do you think yeah. about that, Pete? Well, that part was not real. I mean, but he's alive. A, but he's alive. That probably part. a nightmare or something. Yeah. Do you probably want a nightmare. living, uh, do you want a living asshole Alfred or a dead nice Alfred? Dead nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, that changes my life plan, <laughs> I guess. I, I'm your Alfred in a lot of ways. Um, this does have a lot of surprising stuff. The Commissioner Gordon being sort of run out of town. Um, the Alfred being an asshole at the beginning and being like, can you give him some pills or something? Um, yeah. Was uh, funny and weird. Um, but I do like Batman and love. I love Batman and love. 
I love uh, this. I feel like it's not going to end well, unfortunately. But uh, I, uh, I wish we had more Batman or Bruce um, in a good relationship. Next up, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number two from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Andre Lima Arojo. This issue we are picking up where our... I don't know. I was about to say hero, but I guess main character. We don't know exactly yeah, what he is. Yeah, guy, guy uh, has witnessed a gruesome murder. He leaves that and immediately signs up for yet another gruesome murder, seemingly by the end of the issue. Justin, you were very high on the first issue of this book. What did you think about the second one? I think it's good. It's really spare storytelling from Rick Remender, like uh, really letting the art tell the story, uh, not a ton of dialogue. Yeah. Um, sort of just very carefully putting the pieces on the board here um, and really letting it breathe, which is something that, like, not a lot of writers do, and it's not something that Rick Remender has done. Like, a lot of his books are like, here's a ton of story, here's where I'm going, let's get to the emotional part. And this is a little, we're just watching this character, and um, it's exciting that he's doing something that feels different to him. Yeah, you know, you got to let it breathe, like a fine wine. Remender is kind of growing in this way that is freaking me the fuck out because it's this, like, slow thing that's happening. I'm like, Remender's going to fucking drop this story on its head. It's going to turn. I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's like the pace of it is freaking me out. Uh, But, man, it's such a kind of, like, it's got this kind of, like, quiet confidence to it that is is tense uh i can't wait to see what's gonna happen i feel like the first two issues have been like so slow that i it's that i'm i'm more scared than i've ever been so uh it's it's cool to see remender kind of like changing this up a little bit it doesn't feel like remender yet so uh i think it's very impressive in all the right ways but yeah like like we've been saying, the art is really leading the way here in such a cool way. Well, a lot of wine that I drink, I take a sip and I say, mm, quiet confidence. <laughs> oh, you went to that vineyard that I told you about. Yes. Quiet confidence. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. I love yeah. Better than loud uh, <laughs> embarrassment. <laughs> loud, loud, yeah. Uh, Last but not least, as promised at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to talk about the Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1, written by Alan Moore, art by Stephen Bissett and John Tuttleben, among other people. Now, this is, I believe, the first six issues of Alan Moore's run on the title. And to give you a little bit of the background here, we've talked about this a lot on the show. Justin, you've read the entire run, I believe, of Swamp Thing. Great. Pete and I have never read it. And no. whenever we've got the what is your secret shame that you've mm-hmm. never read this book question on the show, which crops up relatively frequently. Both People want to know your shame. Yeah. They want to know your shame. What are you most ashamed of? Tell us the most shameful moment in your life. And, of course, for me, it's uh, that I never read Saga of the Swamp Thing. Pete, we won't get into for legal reasons. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. But we did finally read it. Uh, based on a request in the iTunes comments on this very podcast from Conanch on iTunes. So if you'd like to request something, hit us up. But let's get into it. Let's talk about this book. I, I don't know if we should start. Probably me and Pete should start, right? Yes. Yeah, Pete. Oh, fuck. What did you... Do you want me to start? Uh, sure. Because I have uh, specific thoughts about the structure of this having not 
uh, read this before, not read, honestly, like the Len Wein, Bernie Wrightson Swamp Thing as well. I've read a bunch of the modern Swamp Things, so I'm familiar with the mythos. But seeing it form here was really impressive. And it's all the more impressive, and I don't know if you guys had this impression, but the first issue is picking up on the threads left by Len Wein yeah. and Bernie Wrightson's run. And it's basically like, okay, all right, this is okay. This is a Swamp Thing comic book. That's fine. I know Abby Arcane. They're talking about um, her dad. Arcane is dead now, and all of these other characters that I don't really know uh, that I've never really heard about. That's fine. Or they're going to blow them up. And it basically feels like this is a straightforward issue of Swamp Thing. And then he's like, Alan Moore is like, great, cleared that all off. Let's do this other thing instead. And yeah. it's almost a more dramatic way. I, I don't know if you guys remember this one, but Frank Miller's run on Daredevil. I've always loved how you can see Frank Miller's style developing over the course of that run, where he goes from like, I'm doing a Marvel comic book to I'm doing a Frank Miller comic book about 20 or 30 issues later. This feels like a more dramatic example of that with early career Alan Moore, where you're going from like, okay, I'm writing a DC comic book to, no, 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 I'm going to do my own thing here. And very quickly it goes off the rails into like almost a plant-based version of the, no, well, this is Neil Gaiman, but like uh, the plant-based version of the diner issue from Sandman where just everything mm. is going horribly wrong. Um, but it's great. I, I thought this book was fantastic and I was super into it by the end and I'm definitely willing to read more. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, oh, thanks, Pete. <laughs> yeah, I think I, it, I'm getting an impression that maybe you didn't like it, but go ahead. Well, here's the thing first off, like artistically, um, like the stuff that they're doing, the paneling, and where there is no panels, and these ideas are beautifully kind of transforming across the page in a way that we can kind of follow, but it's kind of like all one giant picture. It re really reminds me of like you know, the Batwoman stuff uh, that we were really loving uh, uh, and, and like, artistically really cool stuff. Uh, the problem that I'm having is because it was written so long ago and, you know, I've seen so many different iterations of it now, like, going back, I can't really appreciate how groundbreaking it is. You know what I mean? So that's mm -hmm. a little frustrating. And plus, like, I'm realizing that the, one of the reasons that I kept starting to read this and putting it down is I don't really, okay, this is hard for me to say. I don't really like Swamp Thing. Comics. Uh, uh, oh, plants? Uh, plants? No, no, no. Swamps. Things. See, swamps are things. You hate so, swamps and things, and the fact that they're together in this book is a I, I just, you know, it's just it, Swamp Thing talking to himself out loud a lot, and it's just weird for me. And, like, Justin well, likes it when we get inside characters' heads. I yeah. don't, especially when they're trying to be deep. Um, so it, that part was really hard for me. But uh, I could really appreciate what this was, especially for the time. Uh, very cool, very stylistic, kind of tripped out, but deep and kind of thoughtful in, in a lot of different ways that I appreciated and liked. But it's, unfortunately, like Swamp Thing as a character, I, I, it's hard for me to be like, yay, this is fun. It's interesting to me that you, to hear you say that, Pete, because I know you love the comic Concrete. Yes. Um, this, to me, feels like a 
a, a perfect comparison to that and like almost like a stepping stone into concrete. Really? Um, so I'm surprised. Another comic where you're in the main character's head all the time, like thinking and grappling with the his surroundings while not a lot is happening. It's just a lot of him philosophizing and thinking about the world around him. Yeah, I... I- I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, but I guess with concrete, like, um, because He's it's more black and white, it's because it's more black and white and it's like, I, I, yeah, there's not these, like all these things going on. It's like kind of dealing with this moody brooding person and kind of what they're dealing with that it like pulls me in more where there's like all this other tripped out kind of crazy stuff happening that it's kind of like hard to enjoy that, I think maybe, but I, I hear what you're saying and I definitely agree with the kind of parallel. It makes sense. I I'll just throw out there just to respond to what you're saying, Pete. It's interesting to me also, because I think at the, I had the opposite reaction that I've liked a lot of the modern swamp thing stuff, but there's a point where I feel like, Stop talking about the green. Stop talking about the red. You're hitting the same thing all the time, just constantly over and over again. That's true. And reading this felt like a breath of fresh air in a weird way because I could see what everybody has been clearly going for for decades since and not quite hitting in the same way. And this is setting the blueprint for those things as... Alec Holland for the first time, well, Swamp Thing realizes he's not Alec Holland. He is just a plant man. There's a point in, I think it's the first issue where they shoot Swamp Thing. And I read that. I'm like, well, that's not going to kill Swamp Thing because he's a plant man. And that's exactly what they explore there. They're like, you can't kill a plant man. And that's clearly the first time they've done that and gone through that. Something that has led to this very overpowered Swamp Thing in current continuity where Again, I like even the current Swamp Thing run, but he's so overpowered where he's like, well, nothing can kill me, and I can travel to literally anywhere on the planet with thought to anywhere in a plant, and I'm made of plants, and I'm connected to all plants at all times, so I know everything that's going on. So to take him back to this place where he's discovering this and exploring this makes it much more exciting, makes it this level of discovery. And giving the focus over also to Jason Woodrow, in these first couple of issues, a villain who, again, has eventually become, in a very similar way to Swamp Thing, overpowered and over the top, and seeing the Justice League for the first time be like, this guy's a joke. How is he doing this stuff? How is he taking over all the plants of the world? And who possibly could stop him in trying to work through this? Then see Swamp Thing come in and deal with the situation in a very specific way, in a very philosophical way. I thought was really exciting. Yeah. I, I, I also like, there is this thing where it's like, there is so much cool art stuff going on. Like I just, um, I don't know. And then the words don't, uh, some, sometimes it falls short of it a little bit. And I think it's just because of the time. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I kind of feel like <laughs> there's a part where, uh, you know, Swamp Thing read the file and he's like, hey, what did you like? And then he loses his mind a little bit. I kind of felt like that a little bit in Swamp Thing where I was just kind of like, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 so it does so many different things and it is really cool. Um 
but I, yeah, I don't know. There's something about it, and I, I've been having a hard time putting my finger on it that it, that's keeping me from really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just my own bullshit or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff in here, and I think later in the run, it really solidifies um, sort of what the the story points are. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say keep reading uh, because it's definitely worth reading the whole run. You get into a lot more like uh, trippy things. The um, Swamp Thing, Abby relationship is really cool. It's great in, I think, issue like 25 where they have their first like hanging out in the swamp scene um, in this run, which I really enjoy. Um, so yeah, this is great. I would keep reading. Um, if only someone else would challenge you guys to all of us to read the next trade no, of this. Come on, stop. <laughs> I mean, the other thing slowly. Yeah, the other thing that I'll throw out there on the uh, doesn't age well. There are things that do not age well in here. There are certain yeah. views yeah. towards women and their relationship with men. Thank that, you. Eh, there were little. Is that the thing that was bothering you that you didn't want to talk about, Pete? No, that's not. It's just there. There are certain things because of the time that kind of sure. Won't, there's that. I mean? yeah. There's also an autistic kid in here that is yeah. ultimately, I think, where they end up with is okay. But there's kind of some dicey things in terms of how they treat him that don't hold up. But that's the, you could expect that from a comic that is decades old. I think in this case, you don't need to necessarily forgive those things, but you can look at those things acknowledge those things and it also acknowledge the things that do really work here and ultimately like you're saying pete the art is absolutely gorgeous the layouts are amazing um i did i love that sequence with swamp thing being reborn and breaking out i thought that was very cool and overall i really like this book and if somebody does challenge us I would love to read the second volume. If nobody does challenge us, I'm definitely never going to read it. <laughs> yeah. And there you go. That really is it. <laughs> Challenge-based. That's it for the stack. Uh, if you would like to support the show and other shows, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. We sure do, Alex. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Swamp Thing and only Swamp Thing. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, and the app of your choice. Subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for for this podcast. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.